Welcome to Bridges. I'm Monica Schmelter. I'm glad that you could join us today. I'm really excited that we're able to study the Bible together. Today we're going to start out in the book of John in the seventh chapter. And part of as we dig into the study, my heart is that we would mature and develop our faith that in these really dark times in which we're living, uh, that we would all have the courage and the boldness that we need to speak about Jesus in public. And I've asked Corey Tremble, who also is my pastor, the pastor at Experience Community Church, to be my special guest today. Corey, good to have you back. Always good to be here. Thank you so much. You know, Corey, we live in, and you know, I don't want to focus on the negative, but sure. I think in a sense, we do have to acknowledge that we live in some tumultuous times. I'll take it a step further. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. We live in very, very... I'm 41, which isn't, you know, old, but uh, I tell people often, more often than I would like, um, I've never experienced a a culture. There is an undercurrent right now, um, and I don't exactly know how to describe it, but but there is an undercurrent that, that I can't quite put my finger on. It is an aggressive time, a confused time, a very individualistic time. Um, it is an odd culture that we find ourselves yeah. in right now. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I was talking with one of my coworkers earlier today, and I said the same thing. I hmm. can't put my finger on it, but there's an undercurrent, and it seems like something has shifted, hmm. and nothing feels the same. And she said, well, I think it's spiritual. I said, it's most assuredly spiritual. Yes. It may have come through with, you know, some other philosophy or some line of thought, but there's a spiritual undercurrent that's changed. And I don't want to get overly concerned about that, but sure. I want to acknowledge that that's it. And that I'm going to follow Christ all the way through it. Yeah, I brought up a couple of weeks ago, um, we're wrapping up the book of Romans at church. And um, I brought up this this idea when Jesus talks about in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, most of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is, is Jesus talking. And he keeps saying to the church, for those of you that have ears to listen. Yeah. And and it's been rattling through my brain as as culture, there is some kind of cataclysmic shift that has happened. And, and I think those of us that are listening and, and looking and, and in tune with the scripture and in tune with God, I think we feel it. Um, but I think the greater question is, are, are, are we paying attention right now? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of what I was saying earlier today is the paying attention part. And, but there was this earlier part for me where I kept thinking, I'm going to get past this. Hmm. Like, you know, this is just this thing that's happening, but I'm going to go back to my old normal, whatever that was. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't for us. think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Like it finally occurred to me this morning, slow learner that I am <laughs> right, that I just have to be bold and follow Christ through this all the way out. I don't think that I can expect it to go back to what it was like before. I agree. And that he's going to help us through that if we do our part, because right. we have to stay in the light, read the word, obey, study, uh, stay in fellowship with like-minded believers. We have to do our part with that. Absolutely. But there were, you know, tumultuous times in Jesus' time, too. <laughs> Always been tumultuous times, right? Yeah. So let's start off, Corey, in John 7. Maybe you could read for us uh, verses 10 through 13, if you sure. don't mind. All right. It says, after his brothers had gone up to the festival, then he also went up, not openly, but secretly. The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, where is he? And there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowd. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he is deceiving the people. Still, nobody was talking publicly 
about him for a fear of the Jews. So we see, right, all the same elements in this early day, in biblical days. We see fear in the people. They're, uh, I was I have the New Living Translation in front of me. They're afraid that they're going to get in trouble mm. with the Jewish leaders. So there's fear. Even those that believe, they don't want to say anything good about Jesus. And yet they hear him being maligned and people speculating. And it says Jesus went through secretly staying out of public view. So you see that 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 all have to be felt in the air. So people have not changed much. No. Right. I think that's what makes the Bible one of the most fascinating books ever written is you you see the same problems um, have always existed. And so I think what makes that passage that I read the, the kind of twist is at the end when it says publicly. Yeah. They were saying things in private. But publicly, they were not putting their reputation on the line yeah. yet. Yeah. And, and again, do we not still see it today? Yeah. People will say, I don't even know what's okay to say, right? I don't know what's okay to say. Well, I like That's how some not of them, politically correct. Well, and some of them were saying, he's a good guy. Yeah. And I think there is that, that kind of really bad theology that permeates both non-believers and, and unfortunately a lot of believers where we just think Jesus was a really good dude. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wasn't just a good dude. Um, Jesus was God in the flesh. So the identity of Jesus is really wrapped up in this. And it's it, the identity of Jesus is kind of the key to, to, to this whole thing. Right. And to our key to, to being who we are uh, or who we should be as followers of Christ. Yeah. But there's still confusion today, 2,000 years later. Right. Who the heck is Jesus? Right. And we have to answer that question, but not just with our mouth, but with our life. Amen. You know, and the book of John is one of the things that it's very heavy on is outlining for us the deity of Christ. Mm. And when we talked about John in that first chapter, we talked about he was here first. And the reason I said that and I said it that way is the deity of Christ is of supreme importance. He's not just a cool hippie guy who did fun, great things that we think are worthy causes. It's not that because that's popular today. Worthy causes. And I think, you know, that's good to help people. It's good to help the poor and the marginalized. Praise the Lord for that. But for the Christian, it's more than that. And I think doing those wonderful things for others is a byproduct. Yes. So, so again, it's, it's this knowing the identity. What, what we have in our culture right now is we have an identity crisis. We, we are finding our identity in our wealth or our education or the color of our skin or our gender or our sexual preference, whatever the case may be. And the problem has, has been that we are trying to find our identity in everything other than the one thing we are made in the identity of. Right. God. Yeah. And all those identities that you mentioned, all the different things that we're trying to find ourselves in, those will all for, fall short at some point. None of them are going to see us all the way through this life, whether it's our gender, uh, our, our financial status. None of those things are permanent. That's right. You know? that we're going to hang our permanent hat on forever. That's right. However, uh, I hope I said that right, but I think I yes. know I think you know what I mean. None of those things are going to see us all the way through to heaven. Well, and there's nothing wrong with being proud to be a, a strong woman Amen. or um, yeah. an African American. There's nothing wrong with that as long as we understand that our our as a Christian, our identity in Christ comes first, right? Yes. That's what Paul said to the Galatians, right? That, that first and foremost we're all brothers and sisters under that's Christ. Right. And that's where we've so again, when we, when we fail to understand who he is and who we are in him, 
you see this kind of confusion that comes up and, and kind of this fear to yeah. be bold about who he is and who we are in him. Yeah. We see this even even back then. Yeah. And that they're afraid to speak out for getting in trouble. That's right. And so that still exists today. Well, we don't want to be unpopular. My goodness. We don't we, want to lose a friend on Facebook. I mean, to be unfriended, to get blocked, Corey, think of what could happen. Yeah. It's amazing. It, you know, it is. And we go to these it extremes. Is. There's one group of Christianity that almost takes pride yeah. in being marginalized. Yeah. And there's this other group of Christianity that uh, will will never rock the boat. And um, I think there is this middle place where, where we need to stand for truth. We need to be firm in our truth. But we do need to have a, a good reputation in the community. We do sure. need to to live at peace as much as we can. The Bible says, uh, as much as is it is possible to live at peace with those around you. Absolutely. So this middle ground, um, but Christianity, humans. I won't pick on Christians. We tend to always go to extremes. Yeah, and you know, it, that's dangerous for so many reasons. Sure. But I think if we focus on, you know, is even when we talked about. And when we looked at John chapter four and the, the woman at the well and the Samaritan woman, if we can focus on honest conversations with people right. that are caring and compassionate of people that don't have like faith or don't believe what we believe, or they believe most of what we believe, but they're living a different lifestyle. If we can get over that part mm. and be willing to reach out and to listen and to get to know them and of course offer truth. Mm things would change. Um, you well, know. I, I think just taking this, this little snippet that we just read from chapter seven, it makes me think that, that now I think less of the problem is non-believers. More of the problem is people that claim to believe that, that are ignorant to the word of God, ignorant to the true identity of Jesus. There are so many people, I think statistically 65% of the United States claims to be Christian. Wow. And if that were the case, um, culture would look different. Oh, absolutely. So what that tells us is the problem is, is a lot of people who identify with Christ really have no relationship or knowledge of Christ. Right. And I think that is a problem. I think that it's a huge problem. And I think one of the challenges with that is I think we live in a culture that is almost foreign to the concept of relationship. Oh, yes. We have a false sense of relationship. Yeah. We think relationship is on our phone talking to someone. It, it, it's the most fascinating thing to go into a coffee shop, a place that is designed for relationship, right? It's where you go get a cup of coffee and you sit at a table and talk. It is fascinating to see people literally on their phones sitting at a table with a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Or if they are talking right when someone gets up, the first thing that pops out and we, we have this false sense of what relationship mm -hmm. is. We do. We do. And I, I felt embarrassed. I discovered my husband and I, we went to dinner a couple of weeks ago and I looked at us and he had his phone out and so did I. Mm. And I thought, well, we okay, do it too. so why did we go out to dinner? I said, hey, let, let's put the phones away. Let's forget about that. And But we become so attached That's and the right. expectation in our culture is that we answer every text as it comes in. Well, they haven't answered me back. Is something wrong? Like there's all of that going on and none of that is helpful to relationships necessarily either. Well, it's fascinating. You and I both uh, know a lot of people and yeah. we're around a lot of people. I remember uh, so many times I've been in coffee shops and people would walk up to me and say, hey, we're friends on Facebook. We've yeah. never met. Yeah. And, I, it, and it's not like I'm offended by it but, no. it, but I have to step back and go, what an ironic statement that you and I have this facade on, on social media, but yeah. we've never had a conversation. Right. We're not really friends. No. 
No. No, we're not really, but you don't want to say, no, we're not really friends. We're right. Facebook friends. It's just a weird time. It is. It's strange. But life is meant to be lived in relationship. Amen. First with God, drawing our strength from Him Amen. and everything that we need, and then with each other. And before we're anything to anybody, we're their brother and sister in Christ. That's right. And if we can get that part right, this boldness and not wanting to argue with people to put them down, but right. to speak favorably about Christ. If we have a strong relationship with Christ, if we really know who he is, I don't think we're as afraid to say his name. No. And, and if you go on and keep reading this section, Jesus starts to talk about, he, my teachings are not mine, but they're from, from the Lord, from God, from the one who sent me, he said. And it goes back to, we've been talking a lot about this book that if we make this book a part of our life, if we have a desire not just to talk to the Lord, but, but hear him speak back to us through his word, um, it does build that confidence. We understand, again, more who he is, more who we are. We know how to answer questions. We know how to build relationships. It's all right here. Our problem is, is that we often neglect it. Right, because we've got a lot of things. <laughs> I was talking to my wife the other day. I find it funny. I'll, I'll stop at a stop sign and someone next to me will be yeah. texting at the yeah. stop sign. You got this 30 seconds to do mm -hmm. this stuff. Mm -hmm. And this sounds really mean, but, but I almost want to roll down my window and say, what is it that you do that is so important? Mm -hmm. Because I know millionaires, I know politicians, I know CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies, and they don't text every time they stop at a right. light. What do you do that is so important? Mm -hmm it goes back to this hyperinflated sense of self. Right. Mm -hmm. And what this, this book is a masterful piece of dying to us Amen. and living in him. Amen. And that's the exact opposite of our culture right yeah. now. And you know, that, that's so powerful. I hadn't thought about that texting at the red light. Don't you want to roll down your window? What are you, what, well, what are you doing? And you know what they're doing because they're like looking down. And you're like, you know, and it's like they think that the world is going to fall apart because they don't answer immediately or don't find out where the next party is or answer the work email or do whatever. You're right. None of us are doing anything so, that important. So you and I are old enough. I remember now we're just talking goofy stuff. I remember when texting first came out and I said, there's no way this is going to catch on. Right? <laughs> this is so dumb. You don't want to do this. You just want to talk to someone. <laughs> I was, I was very wrong. Well, you know, Corey, I was in the wrong boat with you. Yeah. I, you know, I thought this, this is, is ridiculous. Like who would want, who would ever want to do this? I also thought who would want to carry around a phone? No, we have just exposed our age yes. to everyone watching Who would this. want to carry around a phone? Like that's not going to work. Yep. But you know what? That phone, it has changed everything. Yeah. So I was talking to someone recently. So when I first got saved, I, I smoked two packs a day. I was a smoker. And you have this, this action where you're constantly doing yeah. this thing. And the, the majority of breaking the addiction of smoking is breaking that action. Yeah. Now we keep that phone there and instantly we're addicted to this thing to where whenever we have a moment, we pull this thing out. And again, what's interesting about chapter seven that you brought up, a lot of stuff about identity, yeah, about Jesus's identity, who he is. And it is only when we realize who he is that we start to understand who we are. Exactly. But we cannot hear the voice of God. We cannot get into this if we are constantly distracted. Yeah. There has to be that pause. There has yes. to be that separation. So we're in John 7. Let's, let's stay there. Sure. Uh, let's talk about them being afraid to get in trouble and speaking favorably and some other things that happened there in John chapter 7. 
Well, that goes along with the scripture. The first thing that popped into my mind when Jesus says, if you deny me on earth, mm-hmm. I deny you in heaven. And so there should be a certain amount of fear in the life of a Christian if we claim to be Christians. That if in a public setting, if someone says, well, Corey, what do you believe? Uh, I just believe Jesus was a really nice guy. I don't believe Jesus calls out certain sin or anything like that. Mm-hmm. If, if I relent on that, not trying to approach it from a, a standpoint of fear, but Jesus clearly says, if, if, if you compromise here, mm-hmm. it's going to compromise forever. He clearly says that. Clear, clear as day. And if we don't keep heaven at the forefront of our hearts, that that is an eventual reality right. for believers in Christ. If I get too focused on this, That's right. I can miss it. I mean, we can read the scriptures together, right? We can pray, we can mm. do all of that. But if we haven't developed the boldness to say his name in public and not be afraid and be okay if we get mocked, I mean, I don't That's think right. we have to jump up and down and say we love that. Although the Bible says to rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you're persecuted. Because when we're persecuted, we're even further identified with Christ. Yes. Who was persecuted for us. Yes. Yes. But somehow we can be missing that piece. I know that I have. Me too. Uh, you know, I don't like it when I get mocked. I, I don't like people to laugh at me, but I do try to put heaven in the forefront of my heart and say, okay, Monica, this is happening because you're identifying with your savior. And that's good. It is. And, and it's, it's this confidence that we get when we walk closer to Jesus. Again, when I understand who I am in him, yeah. it really does change the way we interact with everyone. That, that, that if I know deep inside of me, I don't have to impress you. I don't have to impress the people around me as long as I'm pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Again, it's a very easy thing to say. Put in the context of being out in the real world. It's tough. Yes, it is. Because we're humans. Right. And... And in our human nature, we want to fit in. Yes. Right? We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We all want to be understood. Affirmation. Yes. For someone that doesn't have a father in his life, affirmation. Yes. Yes. We have, you know, we all have those needs, but it's about acknowledging those needs, but acknowledging that God's word, his truth exceeds even all of those needs. Amen. Even if we don't have the affirmation of an earthly father. That's right. In Christ, we have the affirmation of our heavenly father. And I think, Corey, also that ability to say whatever deficiencies that I have or things that I've missed out in my life, he is greater than all of those. That's right. And and loves me in spite of me. Yeah. That God knew. Again, we, we talked in a previous episode. It is so liberating to know that we're, we're, we're fallen, to know that we're going to make mistakes but to know that Jesus shows us grace, knew that we were going to make all those mistakes and still welcomes us home. There is such a liberation in knowing that our only hope is him. Amen. It takes all the pressure off of us yeah. and puts it all on him and, and he can handle the pressure. Yeah. I can't. No. And there is so much pressure today. Oh my gosh. So much pressure. From every corner. Yes. And even in the word in the book of John that we're looking at today, seven, eight and nine chapters, right? Mm-hmm. Loads of pressure loads of things going on that are not comfortable that people probably don't understand. And we can look back and study this and say, well, you know, we have the end of the story, but they were experiencing this in real time. Yes. And that that's vastly different. You know, we weren't at that festival where people are maligning Jesus. We didn't, we don't know what that felt like in that time. And these men, Jesus looked at these men in the gospel of Matthew. He mentions this when he talks about the sparrow and he looks at them and he says, all of you, 
all of you are going to, you're going to be persecuted for this. He mm. let them know on the front end. Yes, he did. And if I'm not mistaken, all of the disciples, except for John, mm -hmm. uh, died violent, horrible deaths. And so the reason John didn't is because he was the only one at the foot of the cross, I believe. But um, Jesus was very forthcoming with them. Yeah. It's going to be a tough road. Yeah. Well, he said things like, you know, a student is not greater than his master. So I don't know what we're thinking when we concoct these stories and we say, well, you know, we're victorious and it's this. We are victorious in Christ, but that doesn't mean we're not going to be persecuted. Isn't that an interesting, but you, you just opened up a whole can of worms. And in American Christianity, we, we, we have somehow confused, and I hope this doesn't come out wrong. We've confused the American dream with the gospel. Yeah that we are meant to be prosperous financially and healthy and wealthy and wise and all these things. And um, you just opened up a whole can there. Uh, Jesus said, pick up a cross and follow me. This is not going to be a road of ease and comfort. No. And his life was not. No. On planet Earth, it was not. That's and right. he extended the most gracious, welcoming invitations. That's right. He went out of his way to invite everybody Right. And yet his life was, gosh, he makes the statement there was no place for him to lay his head. Yes. I, mean, I think about just moving from one house to another. That is so discombobulating, trying to get your <laughs> stuff and to feel like that's yours. Because we long right. for that, right? That's right. We long for a place to lay our head or hang our hat. Home sweet home, we call it. And yet Jesus, the son of God, went without that to redeem us. That's right. And I think it's okay for us to, it's very natural and normal for us to want those oh, things. Of course. I, I think where the Christian in the United States has to land is, if push were to come to shove, would I lay it all down for Christ? Yeah. Would I walk away from all those things? Would I, God forbid, if someone were to kick in the door of my house and say, mm -hmm. you know, either relent on your faith or you're all dead, what, what do we do in those right. moments? Right. And I hope that we would give the right answers. Me too. I pray that, I, I, I don't even like thinking about that, but I pray that in that moment, that my faith would be as real to me as it seems right now and that I would be willing to pay any price. I think what is, man, I don't mean to be so negative on this. I think what is hard for, for a pastor is we, we want to raise up a, a church that would say, man, it, it, as yeah. hard as it gets in there and we won't make it to church if it's raining outside. Yeah. That was a negative twist there, but, but it's, um, no, but it, they're the things that we have to think about because yes. in all likelihood, probably somebody's not going to kick down our door and ask us to relent on our faith. But, you know, I remember in a service, Corey, you were talking about, you know, at experience, uh, communion is served a little bit different way. There's communion stations where sure. we can go and, and have a private moment and, and have that communion. And you were talking about what in the world is everybody so busy doing that you can't ever stop and have communion? And, you know, Corey, I was that person. I was one of those people. And it, for me, it wasn't that I had any place else more important to go. But still, Christ has to come first. It was that I had invited people that weren't necessarily a part of the church, sure. that didn't know Christ. And I was so happy that they were coming with me that I didn't want to risk, well, let me stop over here and do communion. But when you said that, I had that Holy Spirit conviction and I realized that for my good, for the, my relationship with Christ to grow, I needed to just say 
to those people. I'm going to stop and take communion. If you'd like to, I can help you, or you can wait outside, whatever you need to do. But those are the moments in which we learn not to compromise if mm. we'll accept conviction. Mm. That was what I needed to hear. That's what I needed to do. Again, probably nobody's going to knock on my door and ask me to relent my faith. And it's so, it's so interesting what you're, what you're saying there, too, because I believe that uh, we have a big church, and it's, it's on Sundays mm -hmm. when we have our biggest yeah. services. You'll see a ton of people go for communion, and then you'll see a ton of people walk out. And, and my guess is that the majority of those people walking out are not just evil, terrible people. No. It's just that our lives are so full of distraction. Yes. We're so busy. And I think communion is a time for, for the Lord to kind of to, to settle us down. Right. And say, hey, just chill for a second. Right. Think right. about me. Mm -hmm. Think about what I've done for you. Meditate on yes. this. Yes, because our flesh, this culture, the world system wants us to all be in such a hurry. Even it's a hurry to do good things. If the devil can't destroy, he'll just distract. Yes. And there are some things in this word you all were just not going to get unless we pause. That's right. If we pause to worship, pause to take communion, pause to read the word. It's just like being that hamster on the wheel. And so I saw myself when you said that in church and it's like, okay, I need to, with God's help, I need to change this. Mm. Because I don't want to be in a hurry, even a hurry doing good things and inviting people to church. That's wonderful. But my relationship with Christ can't suffer because mm. of that. I, I need them to see that I take a stand, too. And so we got to slow down. Stillness is really hard for us in this culture. Isn't We're it? We're afraid of quiet and still. Oh, my gosh. But beautiful. I am, too, at times. Beautiful things come Amen. to be still and know that he's God. Amen. Freedom and not trying to have to figure it all out. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Oh, it's it has been so, so good. And we'll have you back again. We're so glad that you're studying us, uh, joining us for these studies in the book of John. We will have up online resources and all kinds of other things on the website for you. There's just so much that we can get when we study a book at a time, scripture in context, learn a little bit about the background and, and what's happening before and after certain things. So that's been our heart in bringing you this study. So we'll have all that up for you on the online resources. We thank you so much for joining us. And I encourage you to always be bold and brave enough to say the name of Jesus favorably in public. We're out of time. We say goodbye and God bless you. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.